Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Hi, grown-ups. We are incredibly grateful that our show is one of your family's podcast picks. In order to continue to make the type of content you'd like to hear, we've created a short survey for our listeners, and we'd love if you could take a few minutes to complete it. To fill it out, just go to realm.fm front slash kids. That's R-E-A-L-M dot F-M slash kids. As a thank you, each participant will be entered to win a prize pack from one of the shows, including a prize pack from Go Kid Go. Thank you. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those weird and sometimes scary tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. So get ready, Story Club members. This otherworldly yarn I'm dialing up might be a seriously wrong number, and it's a tale I call Insta-famous. Bella Rose was born beautiful. When she was only two years old, her mother had entered her photo into a beautiful baby contest. Baby Bella not only won the contest, she was on a television commercial for baby food that lasted several years. After Bella grew up, she decided that she might go into modeling or acting. Everyone thought she was beautiful and looked like a movie star anyway. She was always posting pictures of herself on her social media accounts. The more she posted, the more likes she got, and she had amassed nearly 100,000 followers on Instagram alone. Companies were reaching out to her to promote their products. Bella had thought that life had come full circle, from baby star to influencer. And then disaster happened. One morning, when she woke up, she was quickly checking how many likes she got from the picture she posted the night before. She was a little sleepy, so when she pulled her phone off the charger and went to look, it slipped from her hand and dropped right into the toilet. It wasn't immersed in the water for more than a few seconds, but the phone wouldn't work. She hooked it back up to the charger to see if that would do anything. Unfortunately, it shorted the phone out. It was dead. All of her gorgeous pictures were on that phone. And a beauty product that reached out to her wanted her to post a photo with it today. They were going to pay her a bunch of money and send her a lot of free samples. She needed a new phone right away. Bella went to the phone store with her friend, Hannah Blaine. Hannah was about the only real friend Bella had. Bella was popular in school for her looks, and she was always the lead in school plays and number one on the cheerleading squad. But she didn't have any real friends like Hannah, who she'd known since kindergarten. Hannah was also a girl with average looks who didn't seem to care that much about her appearance. This made Bella feel good because she didn't have to compete with Hannah. All the boys naturally flocked to Bella. Not that she really had any interest in boys, other than their interest in her. Bella liked herself best, and she liked it when people paid attention to her, and only her. At the phone store, all of the phones were ridiculously expensive. Bella had only started getting money from beauty products advertising. 
She wanted the most high-end phone they had with a great camera, but those were too expensive. Bella was feeling discouraged until an employee with the name tag that read Marana came up to help them. Marana was strikingly beautiful. She suggested a phone from the inventory that Bella and Hannah had overlooked. It was a strange looking phone, not like the others, but Marana demonstrated the camera by taking a picture of Bella. The photo was incredible. And Marana said the phone was only a fraction of the price of the other phones. This was the last one they had though, and another customer was interested in it and might come back for it later. Bella bought the phone and took it home. Over the next few days, she snapped hundreds of photos with it, and each one was more beautiful than the last. She could not take a bad picture with it. In fact, she kept racking up views, comments, followers, and likes on her Instagram page. She was almost at 200,000 followers in only a few days. It had taken her years to get half that previously. One day, Hannah came over. She noticed Bella's reflection in the mirror. You don't look like yourself, she said. And she was right. In the mirror, you could almost see through Bella. It was as if she was slowly fading away. Bella said there was something wrong with the mirror. Hannah said there was nothing wrong with it, that maybe this new phone was doing something. Bella had changed. All she did was take pictures of herself now. She was even missing school. And when she was in class, she'd get in trouble for taking selfies instead of listening. When a teacher threatened to take her phone away, Bella freaked out and left school. Bella and Hannah got into an argument and Hannah left. That was the last time she ever saw her friend. And then one day, Bella Rose vanished entirely. Her parents and the authorities went looking for her, but they never found her. They couldn't understand it. She was in the house one moment and gone the next. All of her money and possessions were there too. How could she have left? What really terrified Hannah though, was the last photo of Bella on Instagram. It was a photo of her in the bathroom taking yet another selfie in the mirror. Only this time, Bella had a look of fear on her face and where there should have been a reflection, there was none. And the phone Bella was using was gone too. Nobody could find it. Hannah Blaine returned to the phone store, hoping to get some answers from Marana who sold them the phone. But the store manager said nobody worked there with that name and there was no such phone like that they sold. Could it be that Marana kept her beauty by taking it from other people? An interesting theory, huh? There's an old story of a young man, Narcissus, in Greek mythology, who fell in love with his own reflection. One day, while he was peering into a stream, he marveled at his reflection so much, he slipped into the water and drowned. Guess you could say Bella was all wet, too. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host with the most, and overseer of those weird tales and scary stories from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This one is pure gold, Story Club members, because it's full of South Seas mischief. It's one I call Pirate Island. Don't be such a chicken, Sam, Peter Hooper said. This is gonna be fun. He and his friend, Samantha Brody, had snuck over into the Pirate Cove area of the Pirate Island theme park. They were going to steal One-Eyed Jack's jewel-encrusted eye patch. 
They knew the jewels were fake, just like the pirate, which was a cleverly made animatronic. But to have One-Eyed Jack's eye patch and post it online was the ultimate. They would get some serious views, likes, and comments, maybe even internet famous. Peter had traveled with Sam's family to the Caribbean-themed resort park down in Southern California. It had newly opened and was known for how realistic the pirates and accompanying sets were. Everyone knew the pirates, which moved in a robot-like fashion, were artificial, made from animatronics. The sets the fake marauders were displayed in were also strikingly realistic, which took you back in time to the 1700s, pirate prime time. It was Peter's idea to get the desired eye patch. Sam went along with it. She thought Peter, who was in the fifth grade, a year ahead of her in school, was the coolest kid in the neighborhood. She lived next door to Peter, and he was always doing crazy things and recording things for his YouTube channel, Troublemakers Incorporated. Peter would smash Halloween pumpkins with a ball-peen hammer, or roll old tires down the hill onto the road, or he even dyed Old Lady Simonson's prized French poodle green and purple. Peter got into trouble more than a few times, and he always promised to do better, but he never did. He was one of those boys who was attracted to trouble like metal was to a magnet. Sam knew that what Peter was always doing was wrong and dangerous, but still, she was fascinated and always ended up following him. Peter Hooper didn't have much parental guidance at home, and Sam's parents thought that bringing him on the trip might be a nice change for him and it would keep him out of trouble. The Brodies were wrong. The first time Peter saw one-eyed Jack belly laughing from the bow of his pirate ship, the Corsair, he knew he must have that trademark eye patch, its costume jewels sewn in the letter J glistening in the high autumn sun. They'd come in October during the week, so the tourist season was at an all-time low. It seemed like they had Pirate Island all to themselves, not having to wait in long lines for carnival rides like the Hurricane, the Tsunami, or the Buccaneer Coaster, or at the food court to eat the famous Cutlass Burgers, Golden Doubloon Fries, and Jolly Roger Shakes. After the tour boat ride through the serpentine canals that featured dramatic pirate scenes of chaos and merriment, Sam's mom had a headache from too much sun and wanted to sit down. Peter and Sam were having too much fun, so they agreed they'd go look around while Sam's parents waited for them. Peter and Sam jumped a tram and sat in the back. There was one place on the tour where the tour boat would bump against the canal wall and the tour guide would be distracted, acting like they were under attack by pirates. Fake explosions from cannon fire would explode in the water from strategically placed water jets. When that happened and the small crowd of tourists were distracted, Peter grabbed Sam's hand and they jumped off the boat and escaped onto land. They had to force their way through a jungle to get to the other side to One-Eyed Jack's Corsair, which was moored on an authentic-looking dock set. They waited for the tour boat to pass by, the mechanical One-Eyed Jack doing his robotic belly laugh. <laughs> Once the tour boat had vanished, Peter and Sam climbed out from behind a pair of swaying palm trees and sprinted across the wooden dock. They passed some animatronic pirates that stood on the boards. They remained as still as store mannequins. Sam thought the fake buccaneers were creepy when they moved, but even creepier when they were still, staring out at the world with their bright artificial eyes. They scrambled up the loading plank and onto the vast ship, the Corsair. The attention to detail was incredible. It was built and painted to resemble an old weathered ship from the 18th century that had braved the South Atlantic seas in search of hidden treasure and plundering other seafaring vessels. It was quiet. Too quiet. 
The boat shuddered in a light breeze, squeaking and moaning. I don't like this, Sam said. We should go. We really should go. Relax, chicken of the sea, Peter said. I've got this. And he did. He walked up to the tall pirate, one-eyed Jack, who loomed six foot five in a long scarlet jacket. Peter had to grab a crate and slide it over to get high enough to peel off the treasured eye patch. He was face to face with the captain of the Corsair. Sam thought she saw one of the pirate crew move behind Peter, but she figured it had to be just the wind. Peter pulled the jewel-encrusted eye patch off the single-eyed pirate, except as he did, he expected to find a hole where you could see the machinery inside. Instead, the eyeless hole had been haphazardly sewn together with a needle and thread. Wow, Peter thought. The level of detail was amazing. You couldn't see the stitched up eye hole because of the patch, but the designers made that anyway. He was impressed, and not much impressed a boy like him. He jumped off the crate, cackling. I've got it, let's go. One-eyed Jack grabbed his arm. Peter froze. Then with his other hand, the pirate captain unsheathed his cutlass sword. It's not nice to steal, the pirate said. Skullduggery. The other pirates suddenly came alive around Peter and Sam and inched in closer. You're not robots, Sam said. You're alive. I, One-Eyed Jack said. What's more realistic than real pirates, eh? He rubbed his black whiskers. Now, what should we do with the likes of you two who want to steal from pirates? Poor Sam. I feel bad for her. She was only along for the ride. Now she might end up at the bottom of Davy Jones's locker. Will One-Eyed Jack make she and Peter walk the plank, or will he only have them apologize and promise never to do it again? Guess whatever happens, they certainly made a splash with their fellow plunderers. GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. Do you like to laugh? Ah, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you. And the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your mostly ghostly host and caretaker of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This haunting yarn, Story Club members, may make you lose your head. It's one I call the Headless Bicyclist. 
Brad Boyd wasn't afraid of anything. Why would he be? He was the strongest player on the Pee Wee baseball team. He could hit a ball out of the park and run bases like nobody else. Even at age 11, many thought he might go pro one day. Brad was a practical kid, grounded in reality. So when he was invited to the Halloween barn party at his friend Katrina's house, he gladly accepted. No spooks, spirits, and shadowy shapes would scare him on the last night of October. His town of Slumberland Hollow had one of the scariest ghost stories, and everyone shared it, especially on Halloween night. About three decades ago, a boy of 12, Toby Hess, was riding his bike home late one foggy night. He was wearing headphones and didn't hear or see the midnight train that ran through town. Toby Hess was killed, but more than that, his head was never found. Now when it's said, when the fog creeps in on cold, lonely nights, particularly around Halloween, the ghost of Toby Hess can be seen riding his bicycle, trying to find his missing head. What's even more terrifying is that it's been said the ghost of Toby Hess will try to take anyone's head if they happen to be out late and cross his path. All of that was rubbish to somebody like Brad Boyd, though. They were just ghost stories, tales of the boogeyman, told by parents to scare kids into going to bed at night. If you don't sleep, many parents have warned, the ghost of Toby Hess will find you and take your head. Absolute trash, Brad thought. He gulped down another glass of sparkling punch and wolfed down three more pumpkin cookies. It was Saturday night, so Brad had been given permission to stay out later than usual. He rode his bike the three miles to his friend Katrina's house out in the country. Brad rode his bike all over town. Not only did it give him a sense of freedom, but it also kept him in shape for baseball season. He'd ride up the steep and winding Widowmaker Hill just to get the blood pumping in his legs. When others would walk their bikes up the steep and winding slope, puttering out, Brad would pedal past them, chuckling at their weaknesses. Brad spent the night dancing with every girl he could at the party. He was popular on the dance floor, and he had the energy to bust a move for hours. Katrina's cousin was a DJ who spun some of the funkiest tunes, which kept the boards of the old barn hopping. Paper skeletons and bats hung from the dusty old beams. Strings of orange lights and fake spiderwebs crisscrossed above the dance floor. Brad didn't care much for a ridiculous holiday like Halloween, but he did love a good party. Crank up the tracks and lose yourself was his philosophy on the matter. That's why he'd lost track of time. Brad couldn't hear his phone over the party music, so he didn't see the messages from his mother trying to call him until it was too late. When he took a bathroom break, Brad finally checked his phone and saw the half dozen calls and texts from his mom telling him he was late and he needed to come home right now. Brad texted his mom back, telling her he would leave immediately and be back home in about 20 minutes. But that's not what happened. Katrina came up to Brad and asked him to dance. It was a slow song. He'd always liked Katrina. She sat ahead of him in their fifth grade class. He danced a slow song with her, and another, and another. Brad didn't realize that Katrina had talked to her DJ cousin and asked him to change up the fast beats for slow rhythms so she could specifically dance with Brad. Another hour went by, and he was having so much fun with Katrina that Brad forgot about the time. Then he looked at his phone. Oh no, it was 20 minutes to midnight. He was in trouble. He needed to get home right now. He would probably be grounded for a week. Brad bid Katrina a good night. Most of the partygoers had already left, having been picked up by their parents. 
Brad was one of the last to leave the barn. He hopped on his 10-speed bike and headed for home. A light fog had rolled in during his first mile. By the time he reached the second mile, it had gotten thicker. The headlight he had mounted on his bike barely cut through the fog. Brad cranked up his favorite playlist. The music boomed in his earbuds. That's why he didn't see or hear the headless ghost of Toby Hess until it was too late. On the final mile home, Brad saw the ghost. He wore dark jeans, black high-top sneakers, a navy blue sweater, and had no head. Brad wasn't a kid who would normally scream, but upon seeing the pedaling specter next to him, he did just that. And then he pedaled faster, putting all of his strength into it. His bike speedometer climbed to 40 miles an hour, the fastest Brad had ever gone. But the ghost stayed with him. Despite not having a head, he heard a chilling laugh. The laugh of a young boy, but deeper and more menacing, eminent through the foggy night. He heard the train whistle, the midnight train. It was heading his way. He would have to beat the train. The freighter would be pulling at least a mile of cars. He would have to stop and the ghost would get him. Would it take his head? Brad didn't have time to consider the horrible possibility. He pedaled, pedaled, pedaled. The train tracks crossed Irving Road. If he crossed it before the ghost did, he'd leave his headless pursuer in the dust. Brad pumped the pedals, his leg muscles screaming. The single light of the train glared through the fog. It appeared like a one-eyed prehistoric beast lurking through the primordial mists. Brad zipped around the flashing train crossing gates and rocketed across the bumpy tracks seconds before the train roared past. He slowed down and caught his breath. He did it. He was safe now. No headless ghost would take his head tonight. As Brad rolled toward home, a familiar menacing laugh ripped through the fog. Headless Toby Hess sat on his black bike in the middle of the road, waiting for him. Brad's screams melded with the roar of the midnight train. Wow, that story took me completely by surprise, just like Brad. I wonder if he made it home safe, or if he lost his head, literally. Maybe he should have paid a little more attention to the time and the tales. I hope you were paying attention, devoted listeners, for your own sake. Did you know there are a whole bunch of Go Kid Go shows? Of course, there's the R.L. Stein Story Club, and you're a member. There's also Bobby Wonder, who's trying to protect Pflugerville from Mighty Mila. And Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat, Kapow. Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or R.L. Stein Story Club wherever you get your podcasts and you'll find your way. Come back tomorrow for another episode, because every R.L. Stein Story Club member needs a little scare every day. Ivy out! A lot of people remember what they dream about when they go to sleep. But what if you discovered you could move between the world of dreams and real life? That's the story of Dream Breachers, where Evan wakes up on his 12th birthday and realizes that something he dreamed about that night had actually happened. Dream Breachers is a high-stakes sci-fi mystery adventure. And with the help of his friends, a reappearing stranger, and a mysterious organization called the Dream Academy, 
Evan will discover what it means to be a dream breacher. If that sounds like a dream to you, you are in luck, my friend. You can listen to Dream Breachers now, wherever you get your podcasts.